Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Fanon. Please check the link tree in the description and see all of our beautiful, lovely, salacious links to listen to more. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the 300th episode of So You Think You Can Fanon, celebrating three years of our wonderful little podcast. I'm your host, Sergio, here with Matt. Hello. Michael. Hi, I'm here. Kybert. Hello. And Jacob. That was in order of Sergio's favorite to least favorite hosts. I think it was in his Zencaster order. No, I think it was was not in my Zencaster order. Oh, it's the least favorite? Oh, that that explains why I'm so low. That that is that that it was not in any particular order. That wasn't even reverse alphabetical, was it? Yeah, <laughs> it was almost random sorted order from the universe. So, because this is our th- our, th- our three year anniversary, um, as well as our three hundredth episode, I I wanted to take some time to reflect by asking everyone here uh, two questions: one, um, out of the past year, what has been your favorite episode to record, and two, your favorite fan and moment it could be a moment on the podcast or it could be a moment that we all shared together um that we can now share with the audience i want to start with the episode Jacob, where we he introduced just raised his hand. okay i'm gonna come inside you man <laughs> i'm sorry jake comes inside of matt um, we have to end the episode if you do i that. think my favorite episode I really okay. This one's a recent one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shout it out. I'm gonna shout out my my co-host for it, Bert Bertram, Kai Bertram. The Burke Book Club. The Burke Club. Was, I said Burke Club. Club. The Burke Club. The Book Club was so fun. That was really because we, we both went in like with, n- with nothing to say, <laughs> and, and it came ended out with up saying like an hour and a half, hour forty worth of fucking stuff to say. Isn't that weird? If there's two people talking, for some reason it goes so much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sent it to my friend, uh, my friend Josh, who's also read Kafka by the Shore. Oh, and he was like, I, all of the all of the things you guys made as a realization, I did not. However, <laughs> I don't disagree with them. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Fair enough. Um, and then my favorite fan and moment of the, just like in general of this year or of all time or just like like in the past year, like from 20, like January 2022. Well, to I, OK, well, I know the answer for everybody. Uh, so I'll just uh, say it. Sean and it's the cum. The cum. It's the cum jar. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's answer is going to be the cum jar. Uh, I, 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 I hate to break it to you, but you're you're not. You're you're wrong. And that was that was definitely in my top five moments. Like meeting Sean in general was up there, but I would not say that that is my favorite moment. It's not me. It's not no. It's not meeting Sean. It's the cum jar specifically. The cum jar. Well, I'm counting meeting Sean in that because like it, you can't talk about the cum jar without talking about. Oh yeah, we we met Sean Saxon. No, meeting Sean in my eyes is its own separate thing. Like I met Sean, and that was really cool. That was a real like, life moment. What did you Separately, think about the uh, the reveal that he had a cousin? Oh, I didn't care like about that until ten. his cousin said he liked Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's I so agree. Fair. 
But yeah, that's uh, I'm assuming most of mostly I guess mostly everybody's answers and somebody disagrees. Um, but I don't know. That's my answer. Um, it was fun, like doing the panel with all five of us and getting like, pr- like just being like, "Hey, Sean, come here right now and consume this <laughs> in front of all these consume people it right now." Without giving him any warning. Oh, it was great. Um. All right. Who wants to go next? I think Matt should go since you we ended up you ended up interrupting him. I didn't interrupt shit. I raised my hand. Well, my favorite episode was introducing Nick to Sean because there's nothing funnier than watching somebody who falls into every stage hazard we build for him be introduced to the living, breathing stage hazard. That is Nick FMJ. Yep, that's his name. That's, that's <laughs> his Nick name. Full, full name yeah, and title. Full yeah, name and title. His actual full name is Nick Roy, but we don't like to say that on the <laughs> Yeah, show. I was going to say, his middle name's actually Roy, and you should only refer to him as that. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally that's, agree. That's why his middle... That's why you call him... Uh, <laughs> you call him fucking... Um, you gonna dox him? him fucking? You call him fucking? No, Roy Joy FMJ. <laughs> yeah, that's my that was my favorite episode. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good one. It's a good one. What's your favorite moment of the year? Mm. There's so many of them, it's hard to even think of one that I like more than the others. I'll just say the cum jar for de- as the default answer. That's fair. That's Because that one was quite a highlight, especially since we got called out on Twitter for the cum jar as somebody saying, <laughs> we need to be careful of these guys. They had somebody drink cum in front of an audience, and then we had to immediately backpedal and say, no. It was not real. Fake we'll do not it again real. here. It was white Hawaiian punch. It's not come. Uh, I will say though, as I was, you know, refreshing myself, yeah. I'm not sure if this is a Spotify issue or if this is in charge of whoever was uploading them. But there's a whole lot of Chain of Memories episodes that don't have the Chain of Memories thumbnail. I'm kind of sad. Hmm. Oh, I don't you're know how right. To do thumbnails. That's not me. Um, it was it. Is it the early earlier ones? No, it's the later ones. Yeah, it's the later ones, isn't it? I, I was I was looking through the year. It oh, looks to be any of them after, um, Chain of Faded Memories Part One. All of the rest of them. Yeah, that's an easy. Just I, I just wanted. To, I just wanted to mention that it made me sad, and that is my. That is my. That is my worst moment in fan history of the year, right there. To be honest, I didn't really even notice because I was also going through the episodes. That's fair. Ouch. Yeah, I've gone through that episode list like fifty times in the last six months, and I I did not notice. Yeah, you know what? I don't have like one direct one. I want to shout out a few of my favorite episodes. Uh, there's of course the 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 classic episode, simply titled. Uh, so you wake up in the meal, in the, you wake up in the morning feeling like P Diddy. You know that that whole title. I 
I, I tried to look it up, but apparently uh, Anchor did not, or well, Spotify now is not, is not. Oh, there it is. So you wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy and you hear your dog barking up a storm only to find a strange creature, unexplained creature jerking off in front of your car. Now you live with the possibility that your car has been in a long distance relationship with someone you only consider the myth. That, that one's up there. I like talking cryptids. I just, I think the, the episode title was very funny and the bit that went on with that. That was great. Uh, of course, I have to shout out the fact that Chain of Memories finally concluded la- uh, last year. So this year, uh, this third year, we finally continued uh, and finished our longest running series. So it, it lasted a very long time. Like you don't really think about it until you look back and go, oh, wow. The last episode that we recorded for Chain of Memories was in 2022 on September 19th. Like it wow, it's a relationship, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but like when I, I'm saying this specifically because I think it's when I think about chain, it's like, oh yeah, that was that one thing that we did in like 2021 or 2020, and then I, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh geez, this is this lasted way longer than I thought it would. Uh, I think that's called repressed you know, trauma. That's mm-hmm. fair. That is very fair. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that one is one of the ones that I really, really appreciate. And I just got McDonald's, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good already. Yo, based. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anyways, back onto the episodes that I, I really appreciate. I'll, I'll just choose two more, and then I'll choose my favorite moment. Uh, I'm a big fan of the, of course, the convention recaps. I think they're just fun to listen to because it's just like, ah, I remember that. That was cool. Oh, I, I, I don't remember that part. I'm glad that someone said anything. But I gotta say, my favorite moment and my all-time favorite episode, well, maybe it's it's dueling with the with the romance tropes one. That was another one I really enjoyed. But my top dog is so you think you can QAnon. I really like the I love that so as you our, think you can QAnon. It is I such a good episode. Forgive Florida for taking that from me. Because Look, I was so prepared, on, okay? I was so prepared to talk about Kurt Cobain dying for like 30 minutes. Because <laughs> that was my topic for it. I was going to talk about the death, the, my- the mysteries behind the death of Kurt Cobain. You know, there's another one coming up. We could just we could just have 30 minutes of Jake talking about we Kurt Cobain. We, we can't do the same thing twice. That would keep them, we have to keep them on their toes. But what if that's a surprise? That's not surprising, because we're saying we're going to do it. It's reverse psychology. It's not. It's just psychology, and it's bad psychology. I'm going to psych both of your balls in my mouth. Ooh. All right. <laughs> yeah, I like to say Damn. the QAnon. That's my, that's my favorite episode, and my all-time favorite moment of, of the podcast was gaslighting Sean for about an hour. Yeah, the first Sean episode was crazy. Just gaslighting the shit out of him. <laughs> I loved it. It's one of my favorite go-to episodes to be like, yeah, you do. You should check it out. That's a, like, that's the episode. The right. entire thing. Hi, Bertram. Yes. Um, I would say I'll, I'll go with my top two favorite episodes. Definitely a uh, book club. Why does everybody get fucking top twos and top threes? Well, because I, I want to mention a different one than you said. Matt, the Matt, book club Matt, is Matt at the top. For fucking... <laughs> One and done. Keep going. And, and then also, um, you know what? This is an underdog 
no one else is going to think about this episode, but also the episode that Matt and I did about Tomie. I think it was great. So basically my favorites were reading books and talking about them, which is, I guess, typical for me since that's like my only hobby. I mean, I'm a big fan of the discussion episodes for a reason. I just think if they're we good content. Normal podcast. That's probably what we would do is just read books and talk about them. That's true. We we are I mean, normal. What's podcast. stopping that's us? That's what our podcast is. Not yeah, stopping, stopping us. We are We're literally doing, doing that. I mean, <laughs> technically, we don't. We we read fan fiction on the podcast and then we discuss it. We have a book club. Okay. Well, yeah. Now we're doing it, but I'm I'm saying that that isn't our main podcast. It is now. No, it isn't. We have too many Warhammer VP episodes to out like outbalance. You're that. saying like I can't make a fucking book club based only around Warhammer. Yes, <laughs> sixty-five Horus Heresy books. Okay. We would be doing right. this for ten let me, years. Let me let me respecify this. All right, it, it we, we're not just the book club podcast. Unfortunately, I would love that. Honestly, it's I thought that was a great episode. I listened to it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you. What I what I meant to say was we we have so many SCP and All Guardsmen Party episodes that outbalance it. We have to fight them back with more book clubs. Are you going to be it. joining our book club? I'll consider it if I have the time and the money. We we did we did say what the next book is. We did indeed. I I well I I got to keep it a mystery for those that are you know tuning in and we're like Ooh, this book club episode sounds really good. I should listen to that. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll think about it. It depends on the it depends on my current financial situation. Maybe I'll join you in like on a you later. You can always one. use the library, my dude. It's That's free. True. Yeah, but I like audiobooks more, so I have to I have to look. You can use the online library app called Libby. Sure. I wish we were sponsored. We Yo, we really really good. Libby. I want to be a liberal <laughs> or Hoopla. We could, uh, Ooh. We could cash out on. Anchor. That's true. We could no, cash out. Good. I think we're you good. mean Spotify for podcasters. Yeah, like, look. Excuse me. Audible. Audible. That's what that's what I have. But unfortunately, Give my entire sponsorship. My, my entire Audible is currently filled with a certain Wizarding School series, and I have uh, Percy Jackson on my wish list. So if we're gonna do a new book club, I want to be on Percy Jackson because I haven't been I really would... introduced to that one. I would absolutely listen to Percy Jackson book one for the uh, for the book club. I would read all of them for the book club. Kai, <laughs> can we do I that for the third one, please? No, because yeah, I already have an idea for the third one. Oh, what's your idea for the third one? Um, I don't if, know. You if know, what, you know, don't say it. Don't say yeah, it. Let's not spoil it. I was gonna say you you have homework, Bert. I've um, homework. we're gonna we're, yeah we're gonna make a we're gonna make a book club uh spreadsheet. Of books that we want to oh. read and when we could read them. Yes, that's a good idea. Don't okay. ask Kai to make it. I will make it. It'll be the end of the world. There'll be so many. Um, I was gonna also say the cum jar, but um, oh meeting <laughs> meeting Sean in general, I think, is my favorite moment because it's like, I don't know, Sean's a really awesome person. Shout out, yeah, Sean. Yeah, um, Sean. And Sean then, is just the winner. He's just and the then MVP. also like it's cool to meet people from content creation. Like I've always seen like YouTuber collabs or whatever, but I've never been like a content creator meeting another content creator and becoming friends with them. So you know, like it, it's a cool phenomenon to like meet somebody through the internet and then have them not be an axe murderer at the end of the day. You know. 
hey, you met me through the internet. I didn't kill you. That's true. Yeah. Not that you know of. In fact, in fact, we met once when we were 18, and then we didn't see <laughs> each other for three years, and then you came to my house. <laughs> That's true. I yeah, also um, met Matt through the internet, so there you go. That's come. true. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, on the topic of you bringing up meeting someone in the content creation sphere, that didn't register with me um, when I went to go get lunch with Sean when we first met a few days before the con. You were like, just like, we were yeah, like, we homies. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, we were like ordering our food and like the waitress walked away. He's like, this is weird. I've never like met somebody through the content creation sphere before. And I was like, that is what we're doing. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I didn't even register in my mind. I was like, I guess it's the same for me too. If you don't count like you four, because yeah. like we are, we, we, we already each knew each other. The internet, but yeah. like, I, 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 all right, real quick. I do want to quickly change my favorite moment. Uh, it was actually being invited as guests to Ohio con. Yeah, I don't want to say that. I, I just want to. I just want to have something that's less Sean oriented, so it's not just all about Sean. But Sean's great. Yeah, yeah Sean. Sean is great. Yeah, Sean. But I want to make. I, I want to make it clear that like we we did some other cool stuff. All right, sorry. I, I just wanted to quickly change my my favorite moment. That is a cool moment, though. Very based. How many people can say that they were invited as guests to something that wasn't like a family event? How many people have said that could say that they met Sean Saxum and made him drink semen? Uh that's a good that's a good point. But like again, I, I want to make it less Sean related. We're like five and seven billion. <laughs> We're Sean adjacent, all right. I'm Sean adjacent yeah. now. So, my favorite moment, um. Other, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say Sean come because Sean come, of course, was a great moment. But I, I think, I want to say it was the second road trip I took with Jacob over the over the summer to go to, uh, to go to Texas, Colossal Con, Texas. The one my dog died during. Besides that part, <laughs> besides that part, that was that was that was horrible. So your favorite part of the road trip was my dog dying and me crying no, it was, in Louisiana. It was, it was not. Someone, someone I'm in a, I'm in a podcast with a fucking psycho serial murder laughing at my dead dog. I know something Patrick bad Bateman happened over here. Something bad happened during it. It was really sad, but barring that, I it was a good time and I enjoyed it was going to Bucky's. And buying mm-hmm. cheese and jerky <laughs> and listening to Ram Ranch eighty five at like three in the morning and losing our minds. <laughs> I remember the Bucky's the the first time we pulled into. Bu- Has anybody here been to Bucky's besides Sergio and I? What the fuck is a Bucky's? Yeah, I have no idea what that it, is. So imagine if Sheets was like um, Oz, the what? land of Oz. Oh. Um, so Sergio and I are driving to tech. We're in like, we're in like, I think we're in Texas. We're not like, um, to the con yet, but we're like in Texas. Sun was almost rising and we're fucking, I need, I need gas. And I see an exit sign. It's like, like Bucky's two miles. And I'm like, what the fuck is Bucky's? We'll get gas there. Sure. So I get off the exit. Sergio's asleep in the passenger seat and I pull in. 
And I, I just, I, I like hit Sergio and I go, Sergio. And he's like, what? I'm like, look up. And you, all you see is like, if a Walmart was a gas station, like in size wise and like 95 gas pumps. Oh my Lord. Bro. They smoke briskets in that thing. Jesus Christ. Scary. Wow. It was insane. I also want to give a runner-up to watching the Crank Duology in Matt's basement. Yes! yes. Somebody that had was, to say it. That was quite fun. Peak experience. Uh, if, if 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 we're if we're deciding that the, that as a group, like we each individually have a favorite moment that isn't drinking the cum, because I feel like the general consensus for everybody is the is the Sean. The Sean Cum Jar moment that was kind is of like a, a group society group right there. Best moment, I would say. Um, fucking, I don't even know what mine would be if we're ignoring that part. Is it no longer um, being tethered to fucking chain of memories? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or um, God, what would it be? I guess going off of Sergio's, um, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Because, God, I love that movie. That was Me quite too. fun to watch on Frankenstein. Especially fucking... the ending. The ending was Oh, really the funny. ending is so <laughs> fucking funny. For fa- for favorite episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna point out one that 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 I don't think think I'd, some people may have forgot, but to, but to, but two 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 come to mind. Um, uh, third times the charm f- featuring Nikki and Sean, and Your Honor Sean Saxon goes out on a limb in the high castle. SCP authors anomalous. <laughs> oh yeah, featuring so you think you can fan him. Yeah. Did we also yes. record uh, a motherfucking dragon? Yeah, motherfucking dragon. Was we did. That's a good one too. I like that one too. I like no, I like making Matt. I like Matt. <laughs> I'm like forcing Matt to read a really really gross board. Yeah, it was a fun part. It was going to be funny cuz we're going to have Kai and Sergio fuck I think, but then it, it turned into not Kai and Sergio fucking. It turned into me fucking myself. <laughs> the best. I, the I most mean, to be entertaining. Fair. We we read more like hardcore lesbian smut in the episode in one of the gamer girl episodes, but I think that was foreshadowed by a uh, bestiality. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and also, yeah. also, the, also the dragon episode getting like, um, like ninety views, like double our normal views. That hurt. Okay. Me. Here's here's the. Me. I know why that happened. Why? <laughs> well, because we added the author on Twitter, and he responded. Well, besides that, mm-hmm. a bunch of people at my college found our podcast, <laughs> and that was the episode we had put out that <laughs> week. <laughs> so they were like. I heard I listened to your podcast and I was like, yeah, what'd you think? And they were like, well, I listened oh, to a motherfucking dragon. Oh, and I was like, no, you did not. <laughs> you did not. And they're like, I did. It was terrible. You should contact them and make them listen to the fucking book club episode with no I haven't contact. talked to them <laughs> since that I would graduated. Be, that would be just as bad, I think, making them That's listen so to the fucking hard. the fucking book club yeah, episode. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, my friend recently was like, we we just got finished doing our game of masks, and he goes, "Oh yeah, by the way, uh, Acqui, I I listened to I started listening to your SCP tabletop. I was like, oh cool, what'd you think about it? And he didn't tell me 
what he thought about it. He just told me uh, the episode that he left on was the episode where Charlie broke his hip. And I was like, oh, yeah, the part where he styled down on the staircase and, you know, ruptured his Oh, my bone. gosh. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> Uh, that's so fun. We've had, we've had some good times. We have we really indeed. Have. We've also subjected people to horrors beyond their comprehension. Those are the more fun like ones. That's, that, those are our tests of fanon. <laughs> if you can yeah. survive that, you can. Yes. yes. Which um, which which con was it? One con as a whole failed the Futa with balls test. They just collectively failed it. Colossal con literally would. When we asked the question, they all just said balls. So, damn. But we have. I want to say got rid of that joke. So, mm-hmm. I mean, technically, Dokido Gan really uh, failed that. <laughs> technically, yes. I I want to say Do- I want to say Dokido had the most no balls. I want to say. Usually yeah, the conventions that. that we go to are they're usually pretty deliberate. Like it's usually one side or the other. I've never had an issue where it's like, oh, that's weird. So it's an even mix. So yeah, I I, I think it's good that we got rid of that joke, honestly. Kind of ran its course. Good riddance. Maybe. But anyway, but, speaking of bangers and absolute horrors, Sergio, I think you're about to lead us into the a room. banger or an absolute horror which one is it welcome back to cringe or based uh yes we will be seeing if today's reading is cringe or based i have found uh a fan fiction a pokemon fan fiction something that we haven't exactly covered maybe we covered it once on the podcast but i don't really think we've done too many pokemon episodes which is why i wanted to do um this fan fiction it is called pokemon the origin of species uh, by Daystar Eld. The description reads, Enter the world of Pokemon from a rational perspective. Instead of starting his journey in ignorance, Red has spent his years studying the creature so central to his world. He doesn't quite agree with all the information in his books. No time for rookie mistakes here. He's on a quest to discover the true nature of Pokemon. Maybe even find out where they really come from. This is a long-running fic. It's over 1.1 million words, and it's still being updated as of March 1st. Uh, it's got th- 3,600 phase, 4,000 follows, and 2,500 reviews. So I'm 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 hoping that this is a banger. It seems to be. People quite like this. It's been going on for ten years. Oh, good yep, Lord. it's been going for ten years. Many chapters? Almost, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's 114 chapters, over a million words. It looks like it's almost updated on the dot every month. Oh wow! Fire! Because ten yeah, years. That's pretty awesome. Ten years over. 100, almost 120 chapters over 10 years would be about a month, and that's what my um my special plugin for fanfiction.net is telling me that it's about monthly updates. All right. Do you have, wow. a, do you have a plugin for that? Yep, I have a browser extension for it that gives me a bunch more data. It tells me when it was last updated and favorites and reviews and that's other data. That that it also lets me copy and paste from fanfiction.net. That's actually why I have the extension in the first place. It's just the copy and paste. So you don't have to screenshot. <laughs> yeah, so I don't. Well, also because I wanted to do um, word counts of individual chapters. 
That too. Yeah, I had to I had to find this on this guy's blog to word count this first chapter. Um, but in terms of uh, who who I would like to play, I think Kai should be red and Jake should be blue. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Sure. Uh, and Michael, would you like to be Professor Oak? Yeah, I'll be Professor Oak. What am I gonna be, Dad? The narrator, dum dum. Yeah, 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 you're gonna be the narrator, dumbass. <laughs> oh, and then we also have Leaf. Well, I, I guess I have to be Leaf. That's yeah, you, you're the trademark female. Matt, if there's any other NBCs that I, I missed, you can play them. Okay. Uh, do you want to read the author's note intro here, or should I? I will read the author's note. Hello, all, you and would. welcome to the... Welcome to Pokemon... This fiction is mostly based on the game verse rather than the anime. The greatest distinction being that the vast majority of Pokemon have roughly roughly animal level intelligence. Inspired by rationalist fiction, primarily Harry Potter and the methods of rationality, and much of the science mentioned, especially the psychology, is based on real research and experimental results. That said, I could no more rationally explain how a Pokeball would actually work than I could build one. My aim is to, at the very least, present a version of the Pokemon world that is logically consistent with itself, which includes not just a realistic examination of Pokemon-human interactions and an attempt to address some contradictory parts of the Pokemon universe, but also an exploration of how society thrives in a world where deadly monsters are commonplace and children are trained from a young age to survive independently by their preteens. All feedback is appreciated. Either here or my post on the subreddit r slash rational. Finally, all intellectual property in this story belong to the Pokemon Company International, Game Freak, and ultimately Nintendo. Thanks for reading. Enjoy. Right after these messages. Pokemon, the origin of species. Chapter 1, Unreliable Predictions. The Vera's household's second bedroom looks as though it belongs to two very different people. Or perhaps one person and one rampaging Tauros. The floor is littered with clothes. Used socks lie in unmatched pairs beside shoes. And half the chairs and bedposts have shirts or jackets hanging off of them. The walls are completely obscured by maps, charts, and detailed pictures of Pokemon biology and life cycles, most with writing scribbled on them in a tight, efficient script. The small cabinet beside the bed is overflowing with books and notepads, some spilled off onto the floor beside it. Amidst this carnage, certain areas are pristine. Bookshelves line the walls, each filled with textbooks and novels that are all alphabetically organized. The work desk is completely clear of clutter, keyboard and mouse neatly placed in arm's distance from each other. The wires and cables are carefully zip-tied and braced along the wall and desk. Ah, he's a psychopath. A can of sharpened pencils and capped pens sits against the wall, and a notebook rests beside it, open to a crisp, empty white page. On the bed lies a boy, one leg and arm hanging over its side. On the wall above him, there is a calendar opened to June. Most of the boxes in the first half have notes written in them, one by one, 
X's are drawn through each, right up to the highlighted square in the middle. Afterward, the squares of the calendar are blank. Today is the day after which all predictions cease. As sunlight slowly fills the room to the drawn shades, a colorful alarm shaped like a chatot suddenly whirs to life. The lid over its round eyes slid open. It raises its head and its beak yawns wide to men. The boy flails against the covers, sitting up and blinking through gummy eyes. He looks at the time and groans. It's only seven. He buries his face in his pillow, right hand taking a second one to cover his head. His left swipes in the direction of the sound, seeking that dreaded awful snooze button, but finding only air. The boy takes the pillow off his head and swings it down at the alarm. Tip of the pillow brushes the chatot's beak, but the alarm is perched precariously on the end of the nightstand, just out of reach, as if whoever decided where to place it had done so after measuring the length of the boy's arm and the pillow. The bolt, the, his bolts back up with a scowl and staggers out of bed just long enough to hit the buttons and slump back on This the just minute. reminded me yeah. mm -hmm. of the morning that I had this morning. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what happened real quick? Can I tell you about this? Yes. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, I had a, a sleep paralysis episode this morning. Oh, fun. And I thought I was dying. And so, basically, I was, like, sleeping as usual. Um, I fell asleep, like, slightly earlier than normal. So, like, 1 a.m. instead of 2 a.m. And uh, I'm having, like, a dream. And then in my dream, I see, like, a dot, like, in my vision. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I looked at it. And then I felt my chest like tighten up and my brain was just like, hey, you're dying now. Oh, and so I'm like laying in my bed, just like unable to move. And my chest is like super tight. And my the first thing that comes into my head is, well, the government kill agent enabled. I'm dying. <laughs> and then I laid there until like 715. And then I was like, I have to leave for work in 15 minutes. And I got up. And I got ready for work. And then I felt absolutely fine and normal. And I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? Okay. So I'm guessing uh, it was agent. sleep paralysis. Either I was actually dying in my bed or it was sleep paralysis. And my brain was just like... You made this was, was it a burning sensation in your chest? No, it was like tightness. You had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I had a heart attack. It could be a reflux. I did have a Baconator before bed, so maybe it's it was a hard to get. It's reflux. Yeah, it's 100% to the Baconator. <laughs> Damn, the kill switch. I don't know if the pain was real, though, because I have, I have dreams where I'm in pain in my dream, and then I wake up, and it's, like, not real. Hmm. Interesting. That happens to me, too. You know I think I was just real? having psychosis. Birds aren't real. I think we should kill them all. Yeah, I agree. That would be very what, sad. What use Why? do birds have in this day and age? Come on. Looking nice. We just... Everything that birds can do, planes can do better. <laughs> you want to die to mosquitoes? Planes can kill mosquitoes. If you get a plane and you get a bunch of pesticides and you spray them all over the place, then they kill the mosquitoes too. Yeah, but then you get cancer. 
that's a risk I'm willing to take if it means no more yucky bugs. Joke's on you. He's already got cancer. Damn. My government yeah. kill agent is already enabled, so whatever happens to me doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. He's immortal. So the boy had bolted back up out of bed to hit the button, slumping back down onto his mattress. He sighs as his eyes slip back closed. Hey, future Red, you awake? Then they snap open. Remember yet? The mechanical chatbot asks in the young boy's voice. You predicted having trouble sleeping last night. Your last night, that is, not mine. And set the alarm to be extra annoying, just in case you're unusually tired since you can't afford to oversleep today. That does sound like something he would do, yes. Memories begin to seep through the cobwebs around his mind, and Red lowers the uh, pillow and rubs at the gunk in his eyes so he could look blearily at the calendar. Well, if you're listening to this, you're probably up now, but if not... He scrambles for the alarm, but it was just too late. <laughs> Red slams the pillow down in the chat with a muffled... That that's knocks it to the floor. Agent. That's the sleeper agent right there. <laughs> Iconic. Iconic. It knocks it to the floor, but he's grinning, and he remembers now. Because today is the day. With a rush of energy, Red turns the alarm off properly and sets it back on the dresser, then stumbles to the bathroom to shower, the initial blast of cold water waking him the rest of the way up. He brushes his teeth with one hand while washing his hair with the other, then dries up and opens his closet where his traveling clothes are laid out, carefully separated from all the rest. Stain-resistant, reinforced thread with protective mesh underwire, form-fitting but light enough not to hamper movement. He pulls on the black shirt, red and white jacket, and denim pants, then opens the box of noob-broken-in hiking shoes. Only after he's fully clothed does he permit himself to look at the clock, which reads 7.32 a.m. And he slumps. Damn, he's got the running shoes already, this... The lab doesn't open until 8. Red checks his phone and sees no messages or any missed calls. Foot tapping with impatient energy, he decides to make breakfast to burn a half hour. He goes downstairs to the kitchen and begins preparing food. When the eggs start sizzling, he hears his mom's door open upstairs, then feet treading down to join him. Sergio. Woman! (laughs) Morning, Rad. Morning, Mom. She kisses his head and goes to the fridge. Your alarm was unusually insistent today. Yeah, sorry. I set some fail-safes. Mm-hmm. She pulls some milk out of the fridge. A winking cartoon mm, milk tank on the cover. Because it's a sassy plaque, Mom. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Sergio just channeled sassy plaque, Mom. (laughs) His his mom side kicked in. Any word from Blue or (laughs) Professor Oak? No. Red slides some bread into the toaster, then turns the stove off and lifts the eggs onto a plate. When he asked his mother to teach him how to cook last year, it was harder to reach the stove without standing on a stepping stool, but now he feels comfortable in the kitchen. A year ago, he and Blue spent an afternoon imagining all the worst situations they might find themselves in on their journey. And while most weren't particularly likely or easy to prepare for, the thought of losing all their food while in the wilderness led to them asking Red's mom to teach them how to cook. He said he would call when it's ready. Good, then. At least we'll have the morning together. She smiles at him, and Red was actually thinking of bolting down his breakfast and heading to Blue's for last-minute coordination, but he shoves down his impatience and smiles back at her. 
His mother did her best to hide her worry over the past year, but he saw it all the same. Overly affectionate words, prolonged hugs, and above all, a haunted gaze he only ever picked up in his periphery when she thought he was too absorbed in his work to notice. He knew at those moments she was thinking of his father and worrying that she would lose him too. So he sets the table and puts out their breakfast, then eats with deliberate slowness. They make small talk while under the table Red's foot bounces, bounces and bounces and bounces, and his gaze flicks to the clock again and again and again to track the glacial sweep of its hands. He's buttering his third piece of toast when the house phone rings, and he surges out of his chair with a shout of, I'll I'll get it. (laughs) As he runs to the wall mount, his heart leaps as he sees the lab's public number on the ID. Hello? Oh, I guess I'll take this. Uh, hi. The man on phone seems startled, and Red takes a deep breath to calm himself. Is this a Varys residence? Yes. Red says, speaking slowly as iron bands tighten around his chest. This is Red. <laughs> How may I help you? Oh, why good morning, his, Red. Why, why is his <laughs> last name the French word for glasses? Mm. Red, red glasses. Red glasses. Bez. Goes hard. Oh, Continue. good morning, Red. I didn't recognize you there. Professor Oak would like you to come down at your earliest convenience. I'm on my way. Red slams the phone onto its cradle. It's ready. He yells to his mom as he runs upstairs, food forgotten. On top of his dresser sits a large backpack stuffed with everything from clothing to snack bars carefully weighed to ensure he could jog with it at length without tiring. He had packed and repacked it the night before in preparation. But after having trouble sleeping, he pulled the Kanto map out to study by lamplight. Then a list of species types. Then a half a dozen other things until inevitably half the bag's smallest side pockets were spread over his nightstand. He quickly repacks everything and slings it over his shoulder and goes to the door. He stops halfway out and looks back. He examines his books, his video games, his old toys, knowing it might be months at least before he sees any of it again. His gaze falls on his calendar with all its empty squares ahead. Red smiles and closes the door firmly behind him. His mom is standing by the front door when he goes downstairs. He slows and stands before her, only having to lift his chin a little to meet her gaze. Sergio. Got everything? There's a slight hitch to her throat. There, then gone. And suddenly Red's throat feels clogged too. Don't cry. Uh, I think so. You'll call when you get to Viridian? Of course. And every night after. He shifts his weight awkwardly. Yeah. If you need any more underwear... Mom! Puts his hand on the doorknob and she covers it with hers. I don't wear underwear, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) I go commando. My dingling is flopping in the wind like a scarf. You're cringe, Mom. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Forgetting something? Have you ever seen the flaccid flag, Mom? (laughs) (laughs) She pulls his underwear... Off the wall. She pulls his hat off the wall, hook behind her, and fits it snug over his dark hair. There, now you look ready for anything. Red tugs the cap's crimson bill a bit lower. Thanks, I thought it was in my bag. He reaches for the door again, pauses, 
and then he hugs her nearly as tight as she hugged him. Be careful, Red. I will, Mom. By the time he reaches Pallet Town's main street, Red's eyes are mostly dry, and he's walking with eager anticipation. The Pallet Lab becomes visible soon after, and upon turning onto its avenue, he sees a familiar figure in a dark blue shirt and khakis on the other side of the street. Blue! He waits for a car to pass and jogs across to join his childhood friend, whose own backpack bulges with its contents. What are you doing here? I thought you'd already be at the lab with your grandpa. Nah, I just woke up when they called. Blue oak yawns. (laughs) Couldn't sleep last night. Ended up watching league matches and working on my type chart till after midnight. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they fucking nerfed you me to the ground, the dumb bitch. Reds presses a sign, knowing he's not in a position to throw stones, and accustomed by now to his friend's obsession with Pokemon battles, an obsession that's divided them more and more in the two years since Professor Oak had noticed Red reading books far beyond his grade level, and talked his mother into pulling him from school to apprentice at Pallet Labs. Jesus Christ, Red really is Kai! This is scary oh, accurate casting. <laughs> we casted them perfectly. At I'm first, glad that we also casted uh, Sergio as Leaf, because if there's anyone that I would cast as a girl while we read fan fictions, it's Sergio. Sergio's yes. the girl. Yes. Just Everyone knows that. Yeah. At first, Red thought the growing distance between them was from jealousy on Blue's part, but his friend showed little interest in the scientific pursuits his grandfather and Red shared. It blew Red's mind when a researcher in Johto discovered that despite Pokemon mothers only ever giving birth to their own species... Even when mating with a different one, their children sometimes demonstrate powers unique to their fathers, proving that some genetic transfer does occur despite no other signs of hybridization. Oh, when explained it to Blue, however, his friend wasn't interested in the implications that Pokemon gain intuitive understanding of any abilities they genetically acquire. Instead, Blue just began feverishly mapping out potential ability combinations to try for breeding competitive Pokemon. Worse than that's, their drift. That's not. That's that's inhumane. That's literally how all animal breeding has been done since the beginning of animal breeding. That's yeah, also what we do bad. when we play Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that, is, that is also what people do to play competitive Pokemon. Although now it is a lot more humane because they use Pokemon Showdown, which is basically yes. virtual cockfighting. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Worse than their drifted interests is Red's growing suspicion that the entire concept of Pokemon types the bedrock upon which all Pokemon battle strategy is built is majorly flawed. Let me see. Blue pulls out a square of folded paper and hands it to him. Red opens it and examines the handmade grid. On the top, from left to right, are 17 color-coded types. The same types are listed on the left from top to bottom. Oh my god, it's the fucking Bulbapedia wiki page about how types fight against each other. (laughs) Oh my god, Bulbapedia, wow. Where the various types intersect with each other are X's or checks, though most spaces are empty, and many have the smudges of erased marks. Most of them seem right, though Red doesn't follow the competitive scene enough to tell what changes to the meta are new or outdated. One change makes him curious. What's this? Red points to the erased checkmark where poison meets grass. You removed plant's weakness to poison? Yeah, I was watching matchups in the Indigo Regionals and started going back over a lot of the high-profile matches. In most cases, grass Pokemon were able to hold their own. Huh. Were you just looking at Indigo matches? It's where I'll be competing, so yeah. Red scratches his hair beneath his cap. 
then your sample size might not have been big enough. Most of the plant Pokemon in Kanto are competitive. That are competitive have adapted to become poisonous to survive better. Well, it's good enough for me. What if you come across a non-poisonous plant time from another region? Theory versus practice, my friend. Doesn't matter if a thousand grass Pokemon would lose to a thousand poison if the ones I'm going to be fighting with are exceptions. Besides, I can recognize all the natives anyways. Well, it's for if it's for more than quick reference, it should be accurate to the rule, not the exceptions. Red takes a pencil from his pocket. Here, just put the checkmark back with an asterisk. Blue grabs the paper from him and stuffs it back in his pocket. Look, you do things your way. I'll do mine, okay? Red rolls his eyes. Thankfully, Blue is smart enough to know the difference between anecdotal evidence and evidence from rigorous experimentation. But he still puts too much stock in observation versus theory. Sometimes all it takes is one carefully constructed and repeatable experiment to understand the truth behind a thousand different disputing observations. They've argued about it often, but last month things came to a head when Blue declared that he'd rather learn from experience than trust what's in the books, and that Red would waste his life reading rather than doing anything worth writing about. Red responded that maybe Blue was just too stupid to learn something until he'd beaten it into him, and shortly after that one of them had thrown the first punch. They didn't speak to each other for two weeks after Red's mom pulled them apart, which is about how long it took for his black eye left to heal without medicine or as punishment to fade. It was only their coming adventure that put their fight behind them by unspoken consent, and Red doesn't want to risk ruining the special day by rehashing it. Instead, they cross a few more streets in silence, until the lab is just a block away, and Red's excitement returns in force. Still no clue what we'll get? Sorry, my brain just shut off. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's really sticking it to it uh, being a surprise, which has not been helpful for planning. You weren't able to find any hints? No, I really only deal with papers and reports. Once in a while, I get to see some Pokemon we're experimenting with, but no records of all the ones there, and I rarely go to the ranch. They reach the plaza in front of the multi-story lab. The building is white and silver and glass easily the biggest in Pallet Town, and it never fails to impress upon Red how lucky he is to be working at the hub of Pokemon research in Kanto. When Professor Oak moved to Pallet Town to set the lab up, it almost literally put the place on the map. Red's mother told him that by the time he and Blue were born, the town had grown twice as large as it was originally, and in the 11 years since then, Red has seen it grow twice as large once more. They enter the air-conditioned lab and walk together through the entrance hall, where sketches and diagrams of Pokemon physiology are all displayed along the walls. Red spots his favorite, a drawing of a dissected Bulbasaur that's hundreds of years old. That's fucked up. Carefully sealed parchment details how the plant material is rooted and merged with the reptilian body. It's the first historical evidence of someone attempting a naturalistic study of Pokemon, rather than the ubiquitous regard of them as supernatural and mythical creatures. It took a hundred generations for the rest of civilization to catch up with the unknown researcher's perspective. To treat Pokemon as creatures that could be studied and understood, rather than just tamed by warriors and warlords seeking to keep their villages safe and expand their territory. A new perspective, most honored by those like Samuel Oak, among the first generation of trainers dubbed Pokemon Professor. Red and blue. Is it Samuel? Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Oak. Samuel. Samuel. They're, they're, they can both be used. Samuel. Samuel. I'm going to start going up to be like, yo, what's up, Matt? I got this tomato here, this potato, and I also got this wonderful thing. I think we should all thing. start calling Sam Samwell just to Samwell? see if he has anything. Okay. 
<clears throat> red and blue into the office space and begin to pass a number of scientists that they wave to. Most of them are in their 20s or 30s and smile at the sight of the youngsters, knowing what they're here for. Good luck, Blue! Have fun, you two. Red, come see me after. I've got something for you. The two adolescents grin and wave as they walk through the labs, mutually picking up the pace as each other's excitement reignites their own. They're practically jogging by the time they reach the main lab, an open, round room filled with desks and computers with various scientists scattered around it in groups, and many doors leading off to the smaller areas of work. Good morning! Booms a voice at the center of the room. Professor Oak stands beside a table, Pokédex in one hand and a Pokéball in the other. While he spends most of his days indoors now, the old man's skin still holds a hint of the tan he carried most of his life, and though his hair is more silver than gray, his eyes sparkle with undiminished vitality and curiosity. His open white lab coat is heavy with various tools and electronic devices sticking out of its pockets. Hey, Gramps. Morning, Professor Oak. They run up to him as he puts the Pokeball down and slips the Pokedex into a pocket. Red can see three Pokeballs on the table, each with a colored symbol above the button. A green leaf, an orange flame, and a blue water drop. His foot begins to tap in place as excitement fills his chest and limbs with energy. Professor Oak beams at them. You guys look great. Filled with eagerness and prepared for anything. It almost makes me want to leave this all behind and come along. Ah, if I were ten years younger. He sighs again and clasps his hands together behind him. Well, time to pass on the torch. But first, an introduction. Leaf? A foreign girl with long brown hair foreign. stands up from the computer she was sitting at. Red was so focused on the Pokeballs, he didn't even notice her. She's about his and Blue's age and seems similarly prepared for travel. As she approaches, Red looks at the three Pokeballs again and blinks. You coming with us? Nice to meet you. Leaf, this is my grandson, Blue, and one of my students, Red. Boys, this is Leaf Juniper. She's the granddaughter of an old friend of mine from Unova. And, rec and she recently came here to study po Kanto Pokemon. Red stares until Blue greets her, then mumbles his own after. He knows of Professor Juniper, of course, and that he has a daughter, Aria, who also recently became a professor, but he didn't know he had a granddaughter. He never met someone from Unova before, and he hadn't expected to be sitting out with anyone but Blue. I thought you only finished making two new prototypes, Professor. <clears throat> Red asks, and he knows it's childish, but he doesn't want to have to share his. I have. Leaf's mother made her own Pokedex based on my late, my last design, so she's trying to expand its listing for their international index. Professor Oak reaches into his white coat and pulls out two red slim computers. Red takes his reverently and opens the cover. A pair of touchscreens greet him, one a home screen with a bunch of apps, the other a grayed-out index of all known Pokemon. The list calls to him, just begging to be filled with information. My latest design prototype, almost ready for mass production. I want you two to give it a field test by catching as many Pokemon as you can to add to our database. And here are the Pokemon you'll be using to start. Oak gestures to the three red and white spheres. It took me a while, but I got a hold of a Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander from the breeders. Yes! Yes! 
Red barely stops himself from pumping a fist into the air, and Blue cracks his knuckles in anticipation. Is he gonna fucking beat the Pokemon? What the fuck is wrong with this little psychopath? Come here, show me. Do you hear that cracking in my knuckles? Yeah, oh. I hear the I hear the Ooh. cracking in your knuckles. That's a dangerous I, game you're playing, boy. Such rare and strong starting Pokemon had been almost beyond his hopes. <sighs> They've been bred and raised to be among the most intelligent and obedient of their species, which will make training them easier than most wild Pokemon you catch. Pokemon, uh, Professor Oak says, Pokemon Oak, Pokemon Oak. <laughs> he says as he picks up the leaf-imprinted Pokeball. Treat them well, train them properly, and you'll be friends and protectors until their last breath. You know what? Because because Kai laughed, I'm almost tempted to replace all mentioning a professor with Pokemon. But I'm gonna be <laughs> here. Let me let me redo my line. Oak 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 Oh my god, he's so smart. He said like three different variations of oak. Oh my god. Oak! <laughs> oh wow. The professor Impressive. holds the lens button on its front level with the lens on the front of Red's Pokedex. And to his delight, a Bulbasaur suddenly appears on the main screen, sleeping in the simulated environment the Pokeball creates for him. A lush, grassy clearing in the middle of a forest. Its name pops up at the top of the screen. And after a second of loading, Red sees the Pokemon's vital stats get listed. Height. Wait, type, and more. Professor Oak moves the ball away from Red's Pokedex and does the same thing to Blues and Leafs. The video on Red's Pokedex freezes as soon as the lens is no longer aligned. And 001 fills and colors Bulbasaur's name in green and purple. When you catch a new Pokemon, just hold it up to the lens like this, and the Pokedex will identify it and record whatever information it can. Your Pokédexes all have access to the sum total of knowledge we currently have about the various species, and it's up to you to catch as many Pokémon as possible to help us gather new information on them. The more you catch, even among the same species, the more data we have on them. So each capture you make has the potential to teach us more. Do your best to try and catch them all! Heart in his throat, Red begins to look over all the information the Pokedex has on Bulbasaur. Can I be the Jones. Pokedex? Fucking Bulbasaur. Pokedex? Okay. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that in the anime, it's Oak that's reading it back. It's like a robot voice. No, in the anime, it's like a funny robot. He's like, Bulbasaur, speed yeah. Pokemon. Bulbasaur, speed, seed Pokemon. Not speed, that is Sonic. It exists in a symbiotic <laughs> relationship with a seed embedded in its back at birth which sprouts and grows as it ages. The plant absorbs nutrients from Bulbasaur's body, while Bulbasaur can photosynthesize light through the plant's leaves. It can go for days without eating as long as it has enough sunlight and water, and the plant can survive without sunlight as long as Bulbasaur can find food. That's pretty good. Also, I'm going to test. I made a voice for Alex's uh, Pokemon campaign like 10, not 10 months, like several years ago. That God, I'm, I'm old. We're old. We're all so We're old. I hate this, but uh, I don't like. Yeah, I don't like this either. Bulbasaur, the seed Pokemon. Oh, oh my god! god. It's, uh, it's the Pokédex from. It's Pokemon. perfect. Damn! It's I just got. I just got ratio. No, you did. You did a job, much man. better. I'm out of a job. Now I see you guys. I'm, I'm out got... of a job. Out of a job. 
This is how it, this is how it is. Damn. Quick, no, send him the thing. You mean you can't do that with your voice like he did? <laughs> yeah, one second. Let me just... Baba Sorg. Fuck, am I nuts? <laughs> I will murder you in your sleep. Michael, you should do that for the Michael's rest of us. Absolutely, being angry, saying Bulbasaur is a moment I have learned to appreciate in life. Bulbasaur. <laughs> How do you even do that? Nasal. Bulbasaur. I don't even have a nose, guys. Bulbasaur. Pokemon. I just, I, I, just have a wide, I just have a wide range in, in dialect, even though I can only make like three different voices for NPCs in my tabletop games. That's okay. I can only make one voice. Although I guess I, I guess we can test that once uh, once April rolls around. Well, like Gabe, the Sneed Pokemon. <laughs> Sneed. Sneed. All right, continue. <clears throat> Goes on for several pages. Describe all that he has been learning, all that has been learned about Bulbasaur's growth, mating habits, preferred environment, and more. After the professor finishes scanning Bulbasaur to each of their Pokedexes, he does the same thing with Charmander and Squirtle. So I feel like I'm okay. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say, I just no, I was just gonna say real quick, Sassy Pants, that oh, I think this this makes a good point of like in the games, where does the information in the Pokedex come from? If you're the one doing the research, you just catch a Pokemon and then it has like oh, a paragraph. It's, it's, it's That's irrational. Like, it's talk about for the majority of the games. It's like, oh yeah, Squirtle's been around for 14 billion years and used to control the world. It's like, how the fuck do you know that? You're a ten year old. I just assumed that this is what happened. Like, there was just a big database. Well, at least in Gen 1, the fucking Pokedex is like a pen and paper. That's, That's true. The sprite, yeah, the sprite is like a pen and paper, I thought. I'm pretty sure a Pokedex was in Gen 1, because Ash has a Pokedex in the anime. Yeah, in the anime, it's a... Uh, it's a fucking, like, computer. But in the game, it's like... In the game, you brought along a textbook and you write in the margins <laughs> whenever you, you find a new one. You just like you just highlight like things. You're just like, ah, that's that's good enough. Little check marks, like yeah, I saw that. Okay. See if I can find a picture of it. Surprisingly, Bulbapedia doesn't have the the sprites of the Pokédex on pull. I feel like it was always <sighs> a machine, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I I always thought it was a machine. I always thought it at least in like like. Especially like fire red and leaf green, that it was like a like pen and paper. Hmm. I don't think so. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, I don't remember. I'm ninety five percent sure that it was just a interpretation of the sprite. That's my. That is my. That is my. That is my argument. Is. Both are valid, but uh, it's just an interpretation of what you see in the sprite, and it's it's kind of hard to pick up when it's just in like black and white or whatever Game Boy coloring you're going for. Anyways, <laughs> hold on, let me just, let me get that started. There we go. So I'm going to give you all time to examine these Pokemon. Then you'll get to choose which one you want. Red exchanges a look. With a blue and leaf, the Unovan smiles and gestures to the two boys. Uh, after you, I'm a guest here, and they've—they're all new to me anyway. I have no preference. What about you, Red? Got a favorite? 
Red can only remember a handful of details about the rare Pokemon and looks at the most recent entry. Pokedex, go! Squirtle! <laughs> Squirtle, turtle Pokemon. Its shell is hot and smooth. Well, the way you said Squirtle's not a, like a fucking, like, like a n- fucking radio news anchor from like 1920s New York. Squirtle! Oh my god! Big light in BC! 1931! <laughs> the war continues on! As Jedi are fighting on both sides. Oh god. Uh oh. Crossover. Turtle Pokemon. Its shell is hard and smooth, providing great defense and allowing swift swimming beneath the water. Its skin absorbs moisture from the air to fill its water pouches, and when threatened, it can withdraw into its shell and shoot foam or water from its mouth in a powerful spray. It also has strong jaws for biting anything that gets too near. A pretty straightforward water type, then. He moves on to... How about we trade off Pokedex entries? No, I want to do this one. Okay, okay. Oh, fuck, yeah, you. fuck you, Matt. You're already the narrator. You don't get the. You don't get to negotiate. Yeah. Okay. Charmander, the worst one. Charmander prefers rocky, mountainous oh, terrain really? and hatch from their eggs while when their tails ignite and crack the shell. The flame on the end of their tail varies in strength and size based on their mood and health. It is said that Charmander dies if its flame goes out. Red frowns. It is said, Professor. This entry on Charmander. It says that it dies if it's killed. No, it says that it dies if the flame on the end of its tail goes out. That can't be right, can it? <laughs> Professor, Professor if, I, if, if, I, if my Pokemon gets stabbed, it won't die, will it? <laughs> Professor, Oak Professor a rock fell on my Geodude and it cracked in half. It can get better, right? <laughs> Based on what's observed, that's the inference many have drawn. Hmm. Professor had worded that rather oddly. But if the flame varies based on their health, wouldn't it be more logical to say that when they die, the fire goes out? More logical. Yeah, sorry, an ADHD moment. My, my eyes were looking at the text and then they and then I lost it. More logical. Who cares if it sounds more logical? He said he just said that it's been observed. But that's a fallacy of correlation and causation. Just because two things happen at the same time doesn't mean one causes the other, or that we can tell which one causes which. Nerd. Leaf surprises Red by nodding. Nerd. It's like it's like saying pit of flock in city parks because people there feed them, but pit of might be there anyway, even if no one feeds them, because the parks are where the insects and berries they normally eat are. So maybe people feed pit of in the parks because they like feeding pit of, and that's where pit of happened to be because of the environment. Truth. Professor Oak examines the image of the Charmander sleeping in its artificial cave, tail flame lighting its surroundings. Well, Charmander won't go anywhere near water in quantities larger than a puddle. So so short of forcing one to submerge, there's just no way to tell for sure. And since that might kill the Charmander, we obviously would try that experiment. We would try that experiment? Oh my god. I, I think you didn't hear me correctly. I, you, you didn't hear me at all. I said no. wouldn't. No, we, I said no wouldn't. we heard you. We just I chose said not wouldn't. to ignore it. <laughs> I said <laughs> wouldn't. This would be a much different story if he said would. <laughs> Red, I want yeah, you to do me a favor. Once you get your Charmander. This, this Charmander. <laughs> yeah, here's a bucket of water. Just, chop chop. Just, oh, not chop chop. That's what we use for Bulbasaur. <laughs> what, if, what, if Oak said, uh, what if Oak said that's your first task as a researcher? You have to do that to a Charmander. I couldn't. I would die. Mm-hmm. I would waterboard myself first. 
What if it was what if it was Dunk a Charmander or Boil a Squirtle? Or Dunk a Chino? Yeah. Boil the Squirtle. I feel like the Squirtle might be able to just like deal with the boiling water. Pokemon. Yeah, they might survive. Yeah, but they might survive getting dunked. No. We we've seen the anime. Yeah, the squirt Charmander's in the rain and he's fine in the anime. It's fine. He's barely but fine. It's weakening. He's about to die. It's, it, yeah, it's it's beginning. It's like it's really weak. Yeah, because he's being abused and neglected, not because of the rain. All right, buddy. Maybe both. All right, bud. All anyway, right, of course not. But there has to be some other way of determining it. Red picked up the Charmander's Pokeball. Here is a worthy first mystery to take on. He would find a way to prove one way or the other how Charmander's fire relates to their vitality and begin earning his Pokemon researcher license. I've decided. If it's okay with the other two, I want to study Charmander. As Red suspected, Blue immediately picks up the water type. I choose Squirtle. He grins and spins the Pokeball around on the tip of his finger before tossing it up a bit and catching it. Red wonders how long Blue practiced that. Either way, it looked cool. He has to stop himself from attempting it himself. He'll try it later in private. Do you think it hurts the Pokemon if he drops it on the ground? Probably not. Uh, They're they're pretty durable, all things considered. The Pokemon or the balls? The ball. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that just leaves me with Bulbasaur. Leaf says happily as she picks it up. I was lying earlier when I said I had no favorite. It has a certain symmetry, don't you think? It does indeed. Professor Oak says with a smile. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a velvet bag, then carefully pours a handful of shrunken Pokeballs into his palm and hands them out. Press the button to expand or shrink its size. When you catch a new Pokemon, it will be be atomized and compressed inside it. But you won't be able to shrink it again. If you have too many to carry around comfortably, you can store your Pokemon at any computer connected to the network and withdraw them from a different one later. Is the is the Pokemon's data kept in the ball? No, it transfers with the Pokemon to the network. Professor no, that Oak. would be fucking stupid. You dumb bitch. Fuck <laughs> 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 you, Red. <laughs> Pushes him over. Fucking nerd. You have no friends, no life. You oh, should no. kill yourself I now. I just had a thought. Your Gucci Professor... shoes are lame as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Oak points to the computer hard drive of the nearest PC, but you have to... I was about to say, well, they would have solid state drives nowadays, but then I remembered this was written in 2014. They might not have done that back then. <gasps> that Pokeball will still be programmed for it, though. So... Best to hold on to it. He hands out pamphlets that detail the Pokeball's functions, and another for the Pokedex. The balls, Harden, are capable of basic verbal <sighs> commands to release, withdraw, and nickname your Pokemon. But the Pokedex were is how... in the 80s. Cool. Oh. Nerd. Damn. Dumb fuck. Damn. Fuck you, Gucci shoes-looking <laughs> ass. Your Gucci shoes are fake. Those Jordans aren't real. He's got fake J's! <laughs> no, they're real, I swear, Grandpa. <laughs> no, they ain't. You bought them for me. When you I say it not. like that, you sound like John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what took you so long, idiot? Can a cartoon do this? 
You I think my J's are fake? But the Pokédex is how you interface with the Pokémon themselves for virtual training while they're in their balls. 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 So if we lose, if we Jojo. lose these balls, or something happens to these them, balls. our Pokémon are safe. Balls. For the ones you have stored, yes. Though it's a hassle to get it rekeyed to another Pokéball, you essentially have to release it and catch it again. Red examines his Pokeball. He learned all this in bits and pieces over the months of working here, but it still fascinates him how amazing technology has become. He remembers seeing a picture of Pokeball technology back when Professor Oak was his age, before there was an internet to rapidly transmit the Pokemon from one place to another, let alone allow the balls to change their size. It looks like balls. a big metal coconut. I know how eager you all are to get on your way. So let's get your account set up. They walk to the nearest PC and blue smiles at Red. So, care to try a battle when we leave? You know, as an experiment to see if the type charts are accurate. <sighs> I never said they're all wrong. I know water types are strong against fire. Leaf looks at them curiously. Was that ever in doubt? Blue puts his hand on Red's shoulder. Oh, Red thinks he knows better than everyone else how Pokemon really work. Red shrugs off Blue's hand. I think the typing method that all the battle trainers are obsessed over has problems, that's all. And he thinks this is based on his, he thinks this based on his many years of first-hand training and battling experience. Blue confides to Leaf, who giggles. Red feels his cheeks flush, but Professor Oak speaks up from the front of the group. Red may very well be right about some of his ideas. No professor I've met has claimed to be a hundred percent sure they understand how Pokemon work or how real their J's are. They're mysterious creatures, and we've only recently had the technology to really study them thoroughly and scientifically. Mom is always talking about how often she gets something wrong before she gets it right. So are you journeying to become a professor, Red? For now, I'd be satisfied with getting my researcher license and filling the Kanto Pokédex. They arrive at the PC, and Professor Oak begins setting up their accounts. But yeah, I'm going to become a professor eventually and get my own lab. Really? I like the implication that, like, he doesn't need to go to college. He's just like, yeah, if I catch enough Pokémon, I'll be a professor. <laughs> Yeah, dude. No, if doubt, I get... no doubt in his mind. That's how that works, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's how, how it works, works man. That's how, yeah, that's how it works, man. They, just, they give me a doctorate if I get all 151. You think think the... about it. If you, if, you, if you were to get, like, every single breed of dog, wouldn't that make you, like, the ultimate dog? Yeah, the, yeah you become a dog <laughs> wouldn't professor. make you a dog? <laughs> yeah, you... you become dog? <laughs> yeah, I caught God. Can I have a job? Would, would you become a dog Ningen? I, I'm, I'm, no, that is not that is not something I can confirm or deny. No, no. I can. That's why we got to catch all the dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leaf looks interested rather than skeptical, which is a nice change of pace. Most people outside the lab don't tend to take him seriously, but then she is the granddaughter and daughter of professors herself. All your labs focus on. I want to study the origin of Pokemon species. <gasps> Which one? <gasps> all of them. Now all she, of them? All of them? Now she looks skeptical. Sergio, give me your best. You, no, Sergio, give me your best. All of them? All of them? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
You mean... <laughs> Red tries to ignore Blue's smirk. Yeah. I want to know where they all came from. What makes them so different from each other and what makes us so different from them? The girl gives a low whistle. You and the rest of the world. You don't dream small, do you? Where's the fun in that? None at all. Professor Oak says as he registers Blue's trainer ID to the network. Leaf smiles back. Well, I'll be happy to hear your theories on Pokemon types sometime. And I'll be happy to prove them wrong. Blue says with a grin and spins his Pokeball on a finger again. Through battles. Hey, that was pretty good. That was that was, that pretty, was, good. That was pretty good. Yeah, that, it, was, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like one of those fan fictions where I was like, oh yeah, that that was good. I'll read this, you know, another time I and then, like never pick it up. Them. Like, I genuinely want the one thing I really like uh, is that it establishes Red and Blue's rivalry, not so much as like a a snobby kid getting his way, and it's more so just like friends slowly drifting apart mm-hmm. and just butting heads every now and then like it's two sides of like this uh, like two sides of the spectrum and they're just trying to like meet in the middle the one thing like i'm really Batman curious about the harvey dunn sure uh the one thing i'm really curious about is uh if i want to know if in the future the discovery of fairy types is introduced as a plot point because i think that'd be it really really interesting be. It probably is. Like, yeah. minute, did fairy types like, exist when this came out? I don't uh, know. So. When was when was this released? October 2013. No, they weren't. 2013. And Pokemon X and Y released in 2013. In 2013. Oh, oh damn. No. Yeah. Pokemon. I, I think Yeah. I think that the here's 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 the way that I see it. It's either gonna go one of two ways. Uh is there how many types are there in Pokemon? They, they gave us they gave us a number, right? They said seventeen, so there is a plot point there. I was close. Right? That's right. You did say seventeen. Mm. There are eighteen. That's with fairy. true. Okay, oh, I'm, well, I'm gonna really excited it. now. Right. Like I'm really like I'm for, really for looking reference. at it now. Well, this was X published. Came out two, two weeks, weeks before the game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, now I'm now I'm really like kind of looking at because like that's that would be a really interesting plot point that like you can look at from this lens of like people in the world discovering something new about the mm-hmm. pokemon and it's like that's really cool i really like the concept of this they also mentioned the the harry potter rational one i might check that out because i mean that might be pretty good too but yeah, i i'm curious to see where this goes i i like i yeah because I, I liked the idea of because like when you think about it, it's like how the fuck do you determine a type? And like, I like that exploration of like, well, like these Pokemon, like we thought that po- poison types like really took out grass, but that might not exactly be the case. And also I like the, um, the whole examination of Charmander's like fire, because like, when you think about it, it's like, what, what is that fire connected to that? If it gets like doused, like, can it just never touch like water? Is it like, 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 I, like, I like that. Like, that's that's an interesting mm-hmm. like look at it. <clears throat> yeah, I think he's got a really strong like motivation, especially for like a first chapter kind of thing. I really like that it it ends on that note. Yeah, really good hook. Mm-hmm. And I, I also really enjoyed the like strong characterization from the beginning, <clears throat> especially for this red person. I might be a little biased since he's like me. But I think they should give Blue a gun. (laughs) He has a gun. It's called Water Gun, buddy. 
I like the backstory they gave for Leaf because they actually made her a canonical character in this instead of just like a what um, if. She's canon in the um uh, Pokemon Adventures manga, actually. Uh, you should watch your fucking that, that, that mouth. It's, it's not canon to the games. Don't care. He's talking about Farting the game the microphone. Yeah, he's talking about the, the game, game verse. verse. I'm pretty sure that in the manga verse, too, Leaf is also a character. Yeah, she is Leaf in is, the manga. Is a character. As far as I know, she's not That's... really ever mentioned in the games, besides obviously That's playing her That's what I just turn. said! Everyone's repeating what I just said! She is mentioned in Pokemon Masters EX, but I'm not sure how canon that is, because it is a gotcha game. But, I mean, gotcha she was well. included. She was included in that, with a bunch of other characters, so I can assume that she, she is theoretically like i wouldn't say theoretically again th she is canon but it kind of depends on the version of the characters that they're using because like with sun and moon we brought back red and blue but that was very much like an anniversary thing so yeah and leaf if was introduced in off, fire red and leaf green so if, if we're going off of um alternate timeline canonicity that wasn't that was introduced in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, that means that technically speaking, she would be canon in an alternate universe. This is true. So Guys, she's canon have, to the Pokemon I have, multiverse. I have bad news. What? What no. is it? Locke Lock is removing the Amogus from the Not Fade Away tale. No! Oh. Damn. I'm never reading an SCP ever again because of you. I'm never he, reading he, again. He just commented, I thought that no. there's no Invisitex elsewhere. Go under the radar. It seems, though, that the nature of this, especially considering the hidden text of the work it's based on, compels people to highlight just in case. I suppose the joke has run its course. For future readers' sake, and because I'm giving staff headaches, lol, I'll accept. Literally 1984. Damn. 1984 right now. I fall to my knees and start punching the ground, crying. But yeah, a I'm a, that was a good call, Sergio. I would like to return to visit this fan fiction at some point. Me too. I would too. I really like that. This is really good. Quite fun. Well, I think we should wind it down. Any final thoughts? Uh, I think they should give Blue two guns. He has a water gun, and he will get a Blastoise. That technically gives him two guns. That's a, they're cannons, actually. It's not a gun. Try a gun. It is a type of weaponry that is shoots out a projectile. And okay. he can learn the move. So he can learn the move. Gun. Water gun. What slingshot is a gun then? Okay, children. I, there's a we difference need, between a we need firearm other thoughts. And, a, and a projectile oh, okay. launching device. Bipedal, bipedal, featherless biped. Th th thoughts. My my thought that I that I have uh, related to the um, celebration that we're that we're having here. Three hundred episodes. Three years or so, you think you can fan? Oh, we didn't I mention think... that this entire episode, by the way. This is also our 300th episode celebration. We mentioned it. Yeah, no, yeah, he only said, said three years. No, he said it at, he the, said at the beginning. Oh, I thought he only said three years. Nope. He's no, yeah. Um, I, 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 th I think that this, um, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've enjoyed these past three years. I've had a great time with all of you. Um, whether it's go recording episodes and going to conventions and all the, you know, adventures and stuff that we've had over time going to different states. Because, um, man, I was all over the country last year. Um, I, I, guess, I guess most of us were um, with all the states mm -hmm. we visited. Um, and, you know, that was cool. Um, 
you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was fun. I, I love doing the podcast. I love doing the conventions. Um, here's to another great year of So You Think You Can Vanon. Yes. And yeah. Hell yeah. One I thought Sergio out. was just about to resign on the fucking podcast. I was about to go, <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, so you think you can fan it ends here. Gotta quit while we're ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's over. It's, it's over, you guys. It's Sorry. We can't, no, we can't. I, need, I need my refund on uh, the amount of Zencaster payments I'm, I did <laughs> if we're going to end it there. No. No, we need I to will, go. I will, launch a you, you, I will launch a lawsuit. In, in, when you signed our contract, you signed a no refund. I signed uh, no contract, college. buddy. I, I forgot that we're paid till uh, we're, we're all around paid like January 2024. So, guys, you have at least a year <laughs> left. So, you think you can fan it? At least, yeah. Actually, year. we're gonna celebrate Sergio and I's birthday by killing each other. Yeah, we could always go back to Craig. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to return to Craig. Right, go, you, just, you just gotta go on retro fanfic with us because they still use Craig and we we stare yes. at Craig uh, disapprovingly. Oh, I have one Craig is a hater. Joke. I have one final joke for us. Before okay. We okay. <clears throat> John Saxon, the sex Pokemon, commonly resides in conventions <laughs> and academic centers. Its favorite drink is calm. I thought it was the sexism Pokemon. Yeah, I thought it was no, a sexist Pokemon. Sex. No. Not to be confused with its uh, sister species known as what about, what about Racism. <laughs> Who really likes Donkey Kong? Oh, we don't we don't talk about that one, but we do know it likes Donkey Kong. <laughs> oh no. End the episode. End the episode. We love you. I don't. I don't. We love you. We I... love you for the anniversary. Maybe yeah, for I'll the do anniversary. that. Maybe for the anniversary. Okay. Come! Oh. <laughs>